1: I may not have a license to kill, but liberalism dies a little every time I pull the trigger on it. This is A Conservative's Perspective. Hey everybody, James Bostic here. A Conservative Perspective on the Mojo Five O radio network, mojo 50com If you aren't listening, well, you should be because it is the very best in libertarian and conservative talk radio that you're going to find out there, mojo50.com. We also have uh, a couple live versions of the program on blogtalkradio.com. You go to blogtalkradio.com and then you type in Patriot Nation Radio and you'll find us there along with uh, good friend Kevin White with the American Allegiance Program And, of course, Mark Hoffman, the founder of Patriot Nation Radio with Patriot Nation Radio Live. We do it live Mondays and Thursdays, ordinarily. Used to be Tuesdays and Thursdays, now it's Mondays and Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, I have been a bit sporadic here lately. And for those of you that were in the know, um, about a month ago, I lost my beloved mother, in a, in a real quick series of illnesses and it was a blow. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie about that. I'll tell you straight up right now, uh I miss my mom. No kidding. So I've been taking some time off and thinking about things and trying to get everything squared away here at the house. I, I lived here with her and took took care of her and looked after her and so now we're, you know, kinda I don't wanna say purging the house because she lived here for 45 years. Her memories are everywhere. She's all over the place. But, you know, it's it's going to be making making room for me now. And It's just been crazy. It's just been really, really crazy. You know, you go through stuff and you look through things. You, my mom must have kept every single birthday, Christmas, Mother's Day, I love you, no reason, whatever cards from the last 30 years, from myself, from my brother, from her brothers and sisters, I found things that Bernie and I my brother had made her when we were in elementary school and it was tough. You dig? It was tough. But we're going to go ahead and move on now. Uh and like I said the reason, you know, I've I've just kind of been off the air. I hadn't really felt like doing much. Uh but I'm back now and it's time to get it's time to get back to work and that's exactly what we're going to do. Nord Stream 1 and 2. A lot of people got excited about that and jacked up over it. And uh, a lot of people thought that perhaps the United States or NATO countries at the direction of the United States tried to pull a fast one. And we're not the only ones that thought that. For example, I'm going to go ahead and set this up. It's about 10 or 11 minutes. And it's Tucker Carlson. And he's given a really spot-on analysis of this. And it's taken place within a day or two of the Nord, Stream, uh, the Nord Stream line ruptures happening. So here's what Tucker had to say about all this. 10, 11 minutes, but it's worth it because it's Tucker. And, you know, he runs long sometimes, but he's pretty much on top of things. So here he is.
0: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, I hate to start a Tuesday evening on a grim note, but one of the environmental catastrophes, one of the great environmental catastrophes of our time is unfolding tonight off the coast of Denmark. The Nord Stream pipelines, which are enormous Russian-owned conduits that carry natural gas from Russia to Western Europe, have been breached. As we speak, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 are pouring millions of cubic meters of natural gas into the Baltic Sea. Pictures from the air, which you can now see on your screen, show a toxic bubble field more than half a mile wide. You can only guess at how many marine mammals are being killed right now, countless. But the lasting damage may be to the atmosphere. Natural gas is comprised of up to 90% methane. Methane, as Joe Biden has often told you, is the key driver of global warming, which is of course an existential threat to humanity and the planet. So if you're worried about climate change, what just happened to the Nord Stream pipelines is as close to the apocalypse as we have ever come. So the question is, how did this happen? And it turns out it was not an accident. At the very same time that leaks in these pipelines were detected, Swedish officials recorded two powerful undersea explosions, each one of which was equivalent to hundreds of pounds of TNT. Nothing in nature can account for that. Almost immediately, the pipelines began leaking in three separate places. So there's only one explanation for what happened. This was an act of industrial terrorism. That was very obvious to the prime minister of Poland, and he wasted no time in saying so. Watch. Today, we are also dealing with an act of sabotage. We do not know the details of what happened yet, but we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. We can clearly see, he said, this was an act of sabotage, an act of terrorism. Well, yes, we can see that. So the question is, who did it? And of course, the prime suspect is obvious. It would be the same man who caused domestic inflation here in the U.S. and stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton. That'd be Vladimir v. Putin. The Washington Post got right to it. Putin, they declared, is now weaponizing the Nord Stream pipelines. According to the Canadian ambassador to the U.N., Vladimir Putin has decided to use, quote, pollution as an act of war. Progressive Twitter strongly endorsed this conclusion. Putin did it. And that makes sense until you thought about it for just a moment. Vladimir Putin may be evil, they tell us that he is evil, but is he stupid? Probably isn't stupid. And yet, and here's the strange part, if you are Vladimir Putin, you would have to be a suicidal moron to blow up your own energy pipelines. That's the one thing you would never do. Natural gas pipelines are the main source of your power and your wealth, and most critically, your leverage over other countries. Europe needs your energy, now more than ever with winter approaching. If you can't deliver that energy, Then countries like Germany have no need to pay attention to what you want. You're in the middle of a war, an all-hands-on-deck war, so you need all the leverage you can get. Under these circumstances, there is no chance you would blow up Nord Stream 1 or 2. Not now, obviously. In fact, it's so obvious that even our famously dim Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, seemed to acknowledge it. Sabotaging Nord Stream, he said today, is, quote, clearly in no one's interest. Right but really only half right. It is true that blowing up Nord Stream does not help Vladimir Putin. He would not do that. Why would he? But that doesn't mean that other countries wouldn't consider doing it. They would consider it. And we know they have considered it because at least one of them has said so in public. In early February, less than three weeks before the war in Ukraine began, Joe Biden suggested on camera that he might take out these pipelines. Watch. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops
1: crossing
0: Notice how he phrased that, and he's the president, doesn't phrase things by accident, particularly when he's reading off cards. He didn't say, I will pause the delivery of gas from Russia to Germany. He said, there won't be a Nord Stream 2. We'll put an end to it. We'll take it out, we'll blow it up. How will you do this? He was asked. I promise you, we will be able to do it. They thought this through. And yet those watching, very much including us, didn't take Biden seriously when he said it. This is the president who has declared climate change the most pressing emergency in the history of the world. This is the man who lectures you about using a wood stove or driving an SUV because of its emissions. This is the guy who spent billions trying to mitigate cow flatulence because methane. Would that guy really blow up a methane pipeline in the middle of the Baltic Sea? It was hard to imagine. That would be an unimaginably reckless act. That would be the kind of thing you would do if you wanted to start a nuclear war. It would be insane. And yet, in retrospect, it's obvious they were thinking about this because Joe Biden wasn't the only person to suggest it. Toria Newland at the State Department said pretty much the very same thing. Newland is a lifelong war cheerleader. She worked to bring about the Iraq invasion, never apologized, kept going. She helped engineer the coup that overthrew the Ukrainian government some years back. So capable. Clearly, she's capable of anything. But environmental terrorism, even for Toria Newland, that seemed too much, too extreme. And yet here she is in January. With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. One way or the other, we'll stop Nord Stream now, looking back, those words seem chilling eight months later as natural gas pours into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere. So you have to ask, could the Biden administration really do something like this? We can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. We can tell you that close allies of the Biden White House believe they certainly did do it. Radek Sikorsky is a Polish politician. He's chairman of the EU-USA delegation in the European Parliament. He's connected. He's also the husband of regime stenographer Ann Applebaum, of the Atlantic magazine. Sikorsky is so close to Joe Biden that he's got a picture of the two of them together in his Twitter profile. So when the pipelines blew up, Sikorsky responded immediately, and here's what he wrote. Thank you, USA. So once again, did the Biden administration really do this? It's hard to believe. Given that it's an atrocity, it's effectively an act of terrorism, we don't want to make that accusation. But we should tell you that, maybe not coincidentally, Today, a brand-new pipeline was unveiled, a pipeline that carries non-Russian natural gas in roughly the same area as Nord Streams 1 and 2. This is called the Baltic Pipe. It was inaugurated in Poland. It will carry natural gas from Norway through Denmark to Poland and other countries nearby. And it's likely to do very well, since now it has less competition. Making sense? What does the White House say about this? How are they accounting for what happened today? Well, they're not exactly enthusiastically denying responsibility for it. Instead, they're looking at the upside. Here's the president's publicist noting that the destruction of yet another energy pipeline is yet another opportunity for you to buy an electric car.
1: Uh, As you all know, these pipelines weren't pumping gas into Europe at this time. Uh, NS2 was never operational, as you guys know. NS1 has not been operational for weeks because uh, Putin has weaponized uh, energy. And we have said this many times before. This just drives home the importance of our efforts to work together to get alternative gas uh, supplies to Europe and to support efforts to reduce gas uh, consumption and accelerate true energy independence by moving to clean energy economy
0: oh moving to clean energy say the people who very may well be responsible for letting methane into the baltic sea and into the atmosphere at a scale that most people can't imagine the people lecturing you about your suv may have blown up a natural gas pipeline and created one of the great catastrophes of our time and its effect on the environment. If they did this, this will be one of the craziest, most destructive things any American administration has ever done. But it would also be totally consistent with what they do. What do they do? They destroy. These people build nothing, not one thing. Instead, they tear down and they desecrate from historic statues to the Constitution to energy infrastructure. And no one in Congress is trying to stop any of it. They're just preparing for the inevitable fallout. Tonight, the Senate just advanced a spending bill with $35 million for the Department of Energy to, quote, prepare for and respond to potential nuclear and radiological incidents in Ukraine. What? The spending bill also brings the total U.S. expenditure on Ukraine, the war, but also funding its government and energy for Ukraine, to $67 billion on the eve of what could be a massive economic disruption here to our economy, $67 billion. How much is that? Well, it's more than Russia's entire military budget last year. And Congress is expected to fully pass the bill later this week with Republicans nodding along like the zombies they are. What will be the effect of this? Every action has a reaction, equal and opposite. Blow up the Nord Stream pipelines? Okay, we've entered a new phase. One in which the United States is directly at war with the largest nuclear power in the world. doesn't mean it will go nuclear immediately, but it does suggest there could be consequences. If we actually blew up the Nord Stream pipelines, why wouldn't Russia sever undersea internet cables? What would happen if they did that? What would happen if banks in London couldn't communicate with banks in New York? Just that one piece of it leaving aside its potential effects on our power grid, but let's just say the banks couldn't communicate with each other for one day. What would the economic effect of that be? Oh, we would cascade downward into your house. We could have an actual collapse. We could wind up very quickly in third world conditions. Those are the stakes. Have the people behind this, the geniuses like Toria Nuland considered the effects? Maybe they have. Maybe that was the point. Now having heard
1: what Tucker said and the case that he made in the vacuum of that moment last Tuesday when when all this went down it it was totally believable and you know nobody's even talking about it now it was a week ago and everybody was thinking okay this is the moment where we're going to have a showdown and things are going to go nuclear and we're going to have trouble And things build up and we're tense and we're waiting and we're watching for the other shoe to drop. Nobody on either side really says a great deal besides some of the peripheral countries that are involved. And we come to, you know, we come to Thursday, October the 6th. Nothing. Zip. And this is one of those things... um, According to Clarice Feldman, and she ought to know, there's always some kind of mystery in the news that kind of just provides a blank page for fantasy thinking. And this thing with Nord Stream 1 and 2 has initiated a storm of speculation. What happened to cause the leaks? Uh, everybody thought for a long time, and initially, you know, the way Tucker described what was going on, as well as other people in the news, in the immediacy of the moment, it made sense, kind of, in a in a push-button, sort of a kn- knee-jerk, kind of way, and I'm not faulting anybody, but here's another explanation for what may have happened, and it came from a fellow named Jed Babin, and he works at, uh, he, he writes for American Spectator, and when we talk about it, he too agrees that Russia is most likely the suspect, however, not for reasons that you may think. And he writes, Germany, Sweden, the United States, and other NATO nations would not have attacked pipelines. pipeline. There has been some speculation among U.S. conservatives that we were responsible for the pipeline attacks. That's clearly wrong for two reasons. First, we have no motive for doing so, despite... President Joe Biden's February statement claiming if Russia invades Ukraine, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. We will bring an end to it. Well, destroying Nord Stream 2 only hurts our European allies. There's no reason to do that. Second, Joe Biden is too gun shy to order any kind of a strike like that. He and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken would certainly consult with Germany and France before doing that. And they would clearly, obviously, definitely, understandably, vetoed that move. We may never know which nation did it, but Russia is, despite its protestations, the most likely suspect. Well... Let's stop and think for a moment about what's being said here. And Babbitt's looking at it as though it were intentional. That Russia did this as some kind of a black flag operation and going to blame NATO and the United States and give him an excuse to escalate whatever militaristic adventures he's off on. Okay. So... Let's think about this for a moment. Now, work with me on this. Watch where I'm going. The war in Ukraine. Dragged on and on. Ten months now, eight, nine months. Coming up on a year. All right? Coming up on a year here uh, shortly. And it's, it's a stalemate. And maybe with Russia being at a little bit of a disadvantage in this stalemate, it's a proxy war in Ukraine between Russia and the United States. And the United States are, you know, they're using Ukraine as a money laundering operation. That's why it's so important to be protected. We'll get into that another time. Um, and you can go to a conservative treehouse to look for their spin and their take on what's going on with the war in Ukraine. But so the Russians are there. And, you know, they're supposed to be this vaunted, formidable, unstoppable juggernaut of a military. That's what we've been told since the Second World War. That's what we thought until Afghanistan. Afghanistan very much the Russian Vietnam. And they were bled white by the Afghans, by the Mujahideen. And after that, they really, I mean, they haven't, what have they done? And I hate to say it like that, but, uh, you know, there's been a lot of military operations in the last 40-some years, and Russia has not been, uh, you know, at the forefront of many of those, if any. Now, in terms of nuclear deterrence, they're holding a few. They've got a few nuclear warheads, probably more than us. I'm not exactly sure they have reliable means of delivering them, and here's what I'm getting at. In a a government, a communist government, and I know it's not communist anymore, but the people that are running the government were the same people that were running the government 25 years ago when it was communist, and the people that they're bringing up, they're bringing up, with communist ideology so no we don't call it communism we call it oligarchy we call it whatever but but there it is i gotta wrap this up here's the deal these guys are not good at maintenance they're not good at taking care of what they have they're rough on equipment and a blogger named law dog with a lot of pipeline experience sets out what could be a very plausible scenario Lawdog writes this. He says, two explosions, 17 hours apart. No military is going to arrange for two pipes in the same general area to be destroyed 17 hours apart, not not without some spec ops guy having a fit of apoplexy. One pipe goes up in a busy shipping lane in a busy area and everyone takes notice. Then you wait 17 hours to do the second? With 17 hours for people to show up and catch you running dirty? No, no. The Nord pipelines weren't in use. To me, that means it's time for maintenance, and it's hard to maintain pipes when product is flowing. Pipelines running methane under salt water require PMCS, Preventative Maintenance Checks and Services. And they need them quicker than you think and more often than you'd believe. I would bet a cup of coffee that any of the required weekly and monthly checks and services since the Russians took over have been pencil-whipped. What's he mean, pencil whipped? Ah, uh, we wrote it down that we did it, but we didn't do it. We didn't really do it. We, okay, we didn't do it at all. We didn't really not do it. We we really didn't do it. And that's and when that happens, then the consequences can obviously be what? Well, disastrous. And that's what we see here. We've come down, believe it or not, to the bottom of the hour, man. Well, of course, when you throw a Ten minute Tucker Carlson clip in there, you can get through a half hour pretty fast. Um, but we're going to finish up on this, and we're going to talk about uh, exactly what what else could have happened beyond sabotage uh, to make these these pipelines rupture and give everybody uh, the screaming memes that that they've got right now. You're listening to a conservative perspective here. On the Mojo 5O radio network, mojo50.com. If you're not listening, you should be. The very best in libertarian and conservative talk radio, mojo50.com. Like I said, we're going to come back to this and we're going to finish up on the other side with it. It will make sense. And it just goes to show you there's a cautionary tale in what we're talking about with this. And we'll get into that on the other side. See you in just a few. Oh, I Didn't see you there. I was busy eating this delicious meal from preparewithmojo50.com. You look hungry. Do you want some? Of course you do. Get your own. You can go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. You can't have mine.
0: Peter Serafin from Liberty Lighthouse takes a moment to thank Governor Wolf
1: from Pennsylvania for all that he's done for this COVID-19 crisis. Thank you for keeping COVID out of our nursing home. Wait, you didn't do that. I'll skip to the next one. Thank you for protecting small businesses. You didn't do that either. Thank you for making sure our unemployed workers were able to receive their benefits. Thank you for being ever present to deal with... Thank you for leading by example. Thank you for working with the legislature to get things. (laughs) Thank you for common sense travel (laughs) restrictions. Oh, good Lord. Thank you for using science to establish restaurant guidelines. Ah, dang it! At least we have sports. We can enjoy watching a couple hours of high school athletics and forget all of the craziness for a short break. Seriously? This is getting ridiculous.
0: Liberty Lighthouse, Saturdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on
1: Mojo 5 Supply line interruptions are definitely here to stay, especially given the incredible talent we have working at the U.S. Transportation Department. However, you don't need to fear these interruptions. You can be prepared go to preparewithmojo50.com that's preparewithmojo50.com mojo50 hey everybody welcome back a conservative perspective here on the mojo50 radio network mojo50.com if you're not listening you should be cuz it's the very best in libertarian and conservative talk radio okay back to it now In the first half of the program, we talked about Nord Stream 1 and 2 and what had happened. And uh, we talked about the issue may not necessarily have been sabotaged as much as it had probably is going to turn out to be ineptitude and incompetency. That's probably the way we're going with this. Again, we have to remember that the Nord pipelines were not in use which means that it's time for maintenance. Again, as Raw Dog, the blogger, who apparently is a pipeliner and knows a little bit about this stuff, says it's hard to maintain pipes when product is flowing. And this type of maintenance um, is required quicker than you might think and more often than you would probably believe. Twice the pipelines were shut down for maintenance. July of 2020... And July of 2021. Both times, they had issues restarting it. Moreover, there were four major disruptions in gas flow from December 21st through April 22nd. Raw Dog goes on to say that, you know, it's possible that hostile actions are at the root of this. But then he goes on to list how many things could cause a rupture in an undersea pipeline and the most significant thing to raw dog was the formation of these things that he called hydrate plugs which under certain circumstances are formed from the natural gas and methane in the pipelines and preventing them requires constant work work that requires vigilance expertise Diligence and constant water removal. If they're not removed, the solid hydrates can cause cracks and fires. Now, to clear these plugs in the pipeline, uh, especially pipelines this size, requires weeks of slow depressurization from both ends of the pipeline at the same time. In 2000, Raw Dog goes on to note that the Russians tried to remove a hydrate plug from a pipeline in Siberia using a butane torch, and they ruptured the pipe and destroyed several miles of very expensive pipeline. Now, both the Nord Stream lines were fully charged with natural gas and just sitting on the bottom of the sea hundreds of millions of cubic meters of explosive, gaseous hydrocarbons being transported by Russians and therefore subject to Russian maintenance. Now, this line of thinking, while not definitive in the absence of evidence, is persuasive enough, I think, that the finger pointing at everyone else should probably take a long pause because it's pure speculation. While the need for constant maintenance of undersea gas pipelines and Russian incompetence is not. Now, how does this tie in with the Ukrainian war other than the political blah, 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 blah? It's not what I'm talking about. Do you remember when this whole thing started? There were hundreds, hundreds, of military vehicles troop carriers gun carriers tanks armored personnel vehicles trucks uh, field cars all kinds of stuff on this one road leading into uh, the capital of Ukraine and they they stopped a, you know, a few kilometers outside of the city And they never went in. They never went into the city. And the reason they couldn't get into the city is because they were being picked apart on that road. You had Ukrainians on both sides. They had all kinds of uh, handheld anti-personnel rockets and anti-armor rockets, anti-tank weapons. And they just wore them out. These guys were conscripts. They weren't well-trained. They they didn't know. they They just abandoned things. They didn't even try and repair them. They just left them. Because they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to maintain their equipment properly in the field. So it would be abandoned. Because everybody thought that fierce armored column just outside of the capital of Ukraine, whose name escapes me now, and nothing ever happened, and we never heard anything about it. Those guys got picked to pieces because they could not maintain their equipment. This is no different. It's no different with any type of Soviet infrastructure, and 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 it, and it's something that just goes across communist ideology in general. Look at how many massive building. Uh, construction failures you've had in China where corrupt businessmen cut corners on materials and then corrupt and incompetent engineers who were probably family members of connected party people who got their jobs said yeah it's okay we can do it and then you know a 35 story apartment falls to the ground during a hard rain for no apparent reason well the reasons are apparent It's because of poor workmanship, poor maintenance, non-existent maintenance, and ineptitude, and probably a lot of corruption and graft in there as well. And in the early days of the Cold War, you know, one of the things I said about the Russians was, you know, as far as their armor and their equipment goes... It's, it's simple, and it lasts a long time. And, you know, once upon a time, that was true. I'm sure they have probably still got tanks in warehouses from the Second World War, and I bet they probably kept them running, or at least as close to that as they could. And so you... Ah, I'm sorry, that was one... That's <laughs> Most of you guys know, uh, during the daytime, I'm in the school business, and I I do this because I love it. And I've got a boy, I've got some special needs guys, and some of them, you know, really, the the problem is they have trouble communicating. Because of, uh, you know, speech uh, issues, whatever it may be. And uh, I've got this one guy that he's, he's, he, he voices frustration, he's really good at it. But it's not; it's not with words. It's like <laughs> that's that's what I feel about talking about these damn Russians. These guys, you know, they're, they're hapless in a lot of ways. Are they an enemy to be underestimated? No, because they do have uh, capable people. They do have folks. Um, they don't have enough of them. Luckily for us, but they 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 do have some people that are really well versed in the state-of-the-art technology that's needed to put a nuclear payload into orbit or into a suborbital path to bring it here in the United States or wherever they want it. You know, they can use tactical nuclear weapons. And, and, and Putin has said more than once that they would probably do something like that. And I don't know, but maybe. Maybe I don't know that he would use something like that against the United States, and I'm not exactly sure what the world response. You know, I, I don't know what the the rest of the free world would demand as as a consequence for something like that happening. I really don't. I'm not exactly sure that there. I'm not. I'm not really sure where to go here. I don't believe that America has any business. Involving itself in any way, either through military support or through financial support or through, you know, hardware, military hardware and weapons being sold to them. I don't think we need to be involved in that at all. I really don't. Um, We certainly don't need to be giving them any money the way things are in this country and as bad as it has been in this country. Since the Biden administration's taken over, but we're going to dump billions and billions and billions of dollars into Ukraine for what their pension system? We're funding Ukrainian retirement as well as you know the weapon sales that we're making. But we're just giving them money, all right? The weapon sales, okay, I can make allowances for that. Uh, you know, there's there's an exchange here. They need Stingers, they need Hawkeyes. We need money. We've got Stingers and Hawkeyes. So here's what we'll do. You'll give us your money, and we'll give you the Stingers and the Hawkeye. You know, that, that's, that's how it works. But not with the Biden administration. You know, I'm, I don't think we're selling. We're probably just giving them the crap. We're giving them money. We're giving them hardware. We're giving them ordnance and weapons. And I don't know that we should be. I know there are probably a lot of Americans you know, the, the, if they're going to pass out money like that, pass it out here. And it's not, you know, it's not going to say, you know, it's not going to help inflation, but it might give some of these families a little bit of breathing room that they wouldn't have ordinarily, or that they certainly don't have now. It's messed up. Thank you. It is really, really, really messed up. Oh all kinds of stuff going on here lately um have you heard about this guy what's his name um I, uh I, there's a movie I don't want to talk yeah I, Eichner Billy Eichner does anybody ever heard of this dude okay he's uh he's a comedian apparently and he's also gay evidently and he's made this movie. He's he's made this this romantic comedy about gay dudes called Bros. I think he did it with with they did it at Universal, and uh, it's out, and it flopped. Okay, it stunk up the stage. Um, Twenty two million bucks to make this movie using an all, I think, an all-gay cast and some pretty graphic gay stuff, and uh, it bombed. i never heard of this dude before in my life, Um, and I'd never heard of this movie until just recently when I saw some stuff on Breitbart about it, but apparently it's just, I mean, it was... It was just a bad movie, and I mean, it was bad to the point that even gay people didn't—gay <laughs> people didn't want to watch it. And and uh, so it's twenty-two million bucks. It's twenty-two million bucks to make this thing, and it 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 bombed. I mean, it just totally, totally, totally bombed. And this guy can't stand it. That that it did, and uh, so now because his movie bombed, and he stunk up the stage with it, you know we're homophobes. We're all homophobes because we didn't see his movie and support it, and. He's he's been he well and apparently he as I read up on this dude apparently he's made a, a career in the last few years uh, you know bad mouthing conservatives bad mouthing republicans attacking Christianity and basically you know hating on everybody that is not walking in lockstep with with you know whatever his his the tenets of his philosophy are. So, he gets mad, and he, he calls us all bigots, haters, homophobes, and shame on us, okay? Shame on us for hating homosexuals and gay movies to the point that we did this well. Let's take a look at the math, or at least John Malti has done this for us. And to show you how bitter and, and ugly and uh, miserable and angry this cat is, here's some of his uh, Crab baby tweets. Even with the glowing reviews, great Rotten tomato scores, an A Cinema score, etc., straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. That's, that's the name of the movie, bros. And that's disappointing, but it is what it is. Everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see Bros tonight. You'll have a blast. And it is special and uniquely powerful to see this particular story on a big screen, especially for queer folks who don't get this opportunity often. I love this movie so much. Go Bros. Well, that kind of hate and bigotry spewing from Eichner might make some sense if... The gay people had shown up to see bros, which they obviously didn't either. Nolte does the math. The American population is roughly 330 million. According to Gallup, America's gay population, lesbians, bisexuals, whatever, uh, lands right at around 4.5%. So that means... About 15 million Americans are alphabet people. And because this number is controversial, we're going to round it down to 10 million. So, you have 10 million gay people, 10 million homosexuals in America. How many of those 10 million went to see bros? How about less than 5%? Okay, Only about a half a million people saw bros on its opening weekend. That's it. So the guy that's the father of this turkey is blaming homophobia for his movie flopping when less than 5% of homosexuals bothered to show up for the damn thing. So a whopping 95% of gays did not bother to see bros. And we know that that number is probably higher Not everyone who saw bros was gay. They might be gay now, but they weren't before they saw the movie. And I'm I'm sure there probably weren't that many people that went gay after the movie. So, had just 10% of the gay population bothered to see bros, it would have at least grossed its predicted $8 to $10 million. Had just 20% of the gay population showed up bros right now, as you and I are talking about would be considered a hit. So why is Eichner raging against people like us, the red States and even homophobes when he can't even attract 5% of the gay population to show up for his stupid movie? I'll tell you why. Well, it's because he is a bitter, ignorant bigot who made a movie. No one wants to see not even gay people. And now he's mad, little crybaby. And and speaking of this sort of thing, um, have you guys seen the latest on uh, Scooby Doo? <clears throat> Apparently, somebody has decided that Velma needs to be gay. Jinkies! I mean, you know, okay. Everybody knew that Daphne and Fred were kind of the thing. Whether it was implied or not, they were drawn for each other, if you know what I mean. And I think the same thing, no different with Shag and Velma. I know, I know. Shag is all into Scoob, man's best friend, and all that stuff. But why why, why did they have to make her get? What about Shaggy? He's been there... <clears throat> Dude's been there for 47 years, man. No, let's see. Let's see. 46 years. 46 years. Uh, No, let me see. 48 years. I'll get it. 48 years. 44 years. They started in 1968. 78, 88, 98, 08, 18. I don't know. It's been around a long time. Close to 50 years. Over 50 years, actually. Over 50 years. And he's been there the whole time. But now, now, in the midst of all this wake, poopy, you know, she's got to be gay. Why does she have to be gay? Apparently, Billy Eichner just got finished making a really swell movie about gays. Wasn't that enough? No, actually, it wasn't because the movie stunk. Apparently on ice, uh, to hear what they say. So, so now Velma, you know, and and there's Shag just still hanging around, man. You know, and I just, I just, I, and besides, here's the deal: this is a kids' cartoon. Shouldn't be any gay, not gay. Shouldn't be any of that. These are kids' cartoons. And I, I, sometimes I'm just at a loss to understand why it works that way. I, by God, I am. I just, I just am. I don't know why, but I am. I'm 60 years old. I was six years old in 1968 when Scooby-Doo came on. And I watched Scooby-Doo from the time I was six years old, probably faithfully. If so I was 11 or 12 or 13 or maybe uh, 45 if I'm going to be honest about this crap and never once from the time I started watching it when I was 6 years old until the last time I watched it did I ever think about anybody's sexual identity. I didn't see him as gay. I didn't see him as straight. I saw him as those meddling kids. As old man Parker would say because he was trying to Cash in on the abandoned amusement park and get that break. But you got the idea, okay? It wasn't about who was who. It was about solving the mystery. You know that was the one thing. I, and you watch cop shows today. You watch doctor shows. You watch fireman shows. Whatever it is, you know there's always some kind of sorted, screwed up, messed up, blah 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 blah, blah up backstory. Everybody's running around on each other or they're struggling with gay feelings or whatever it happens to be. And that's not what I want. I want dragnet. I want emergency. Okay. I, I and, and, and here's what I'm saying when I say in Adam 12. Yeah, these guys had a little bit of a backstory, but that's not what the show was about. Dragnet. It was about a couple of L.A. detectives going out there and thoroughly running down clues, doing the legwork, and bringing the criminal to justice. Same thing with Adam-12, responding day-to-day in a squad car, answering calls, getting things settled. We didn't worry too much about their background or their backstory or who they were banging Once they got off the clock, because that's not what Adam 12 was about. That's not what Dragnet was about. It was about solving crimes. Emergency was about saving lives. Although, in all honesty, I would really like to have been a big part of Julie London's private life, if you know what I mean. I just thought she was. But it wasn't. It was about. The doctors and nurses doing the jobs that doctors and nurses do. It was about firefighters, about police officers, about first responders, paramedics doing the job that those guys do. Go back and watch, okay? Just go back and watch. Try and reset your filter and not expect, you know, whatever it is you see in cop shows and the backstories nowadays or any that go in and watch these guys do their jobs and that's what it should always be about I mean for for those kind of shows and that's just my preference and and again Scooby-Doo is a damn kids cartoon okay it is for children children don't need to be groomed with this sort of stuff children don't need to to see this and be told well it's okay you know and it might even be you do you have these feelings sometimes or whatever do you like baseball better than you like barbies do you like cooking better than you like football well maybe you're a girl son and don't say anything to your parents take these hormone blockers and then when the time's right, we'll have a lawyer represent you against your parents, and you can have your transition surgery, and you could be the little girl you've always wanted to be. That's what happens. Don't tell me that doesn't happen. It happens. You know, it's like when they go into these abortion clinics and they find all these horror stories that take place, like Kermit Gosnell, and he wasn't the only one, probably the worst one, but he wasn't the only one, not a word, not a peep. This is no different. It's not dead air. I'm still here just thinking about this crap. So, what can we say? What can we do? How can we act to get the point across? to these people, that this is not our society. This is not our culture, and we reject it. We're the people that uphold the faith of the founders. Not them, us. And again, what does this come back to? I'll bring it back to something we haven't talked about in a while, but I'll bring it up. An informed and disseminating electorate. Just as we have the power of the ballot, we also have the power of the purse. We can deny these people. Yeah, the ones that get government handouts, there's not a whole lot we can do about that, but we can make noise, and we can eventually affect change there as well. But we don't have to go see Billy Eichner's crummy movie. Gay people didn't want to see Billy Eichner's crummy gay movie. Nobody wanted to see it. But he's mad because we didn't, and because we didn't, and we didn't worship at this you know, piece of tripe. And I mean... There are a lot of people saying that, and they're saying it through what? The power of the purse. They're not buying tickets. They're not moved by it. They're not sold by it. They're not impressed with it. An informed and disseminating electorate. An informed and disseminating citizenry. Not just in voting, but in all matters cultural. In all matters economic. In all matters educational. We have a voice. We have a strong voice, and it can be heard And when we put our minds to it, just like Black Lives Matter, just like Occupy Wall Street, just like Antifa, we can command things. And we can do so with the righteousness of our cause. And what is our cause? America is our cause, our home is our cause. Our ordered liberties that were bequeathed to us by the Founders is our cause. They're opposed to those things. Doesn't get more us and them than this. Okay? Pretty much us and them during the Cold War, and definitely during World War II, but this is definitely just as much us and them as those things were. That is all the time we have, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. I've got about a minute minute and 40 seconds to uh, tile this stuff up. As I'm fond of saying, we live in interesting times, and we need to be aware of just how interesting those times are if we are going to have any hope at all of affecting any kind of change or influencing these these, these interesting times. Oh, well, we got something to chew on till next week, I guess. We're here Sundays 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Mondays and Thursdays 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, Patriot Nation Radio. That's all the time we have done with this for now. See you next Sunday when we will again take a look at things as we do through a conservative perspective. In the meantime, God bless you. God bless America. We will see you then.
0: Mojo Fire. This is the seditious,
1: rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo 5. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?